Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we break down another week in Major League Baseball, and we have a few things on the docket to, to look at here. We're going to look at some statement uh, wins from at least a statement series. Uh, we're going to take a look at a trade that has already taken place, as well as uh, predictions on uh, firing up the, the first hot stove. Who are some names to keep in mind as we slowly get ourselves more into trading season as we check into a new month. As we look at that new month, there's going to be predictions, a bold MLB predictions for May, reviewing an, an article from uh, uh, from MLB.com uh, with that as well. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, our own uh, hot takes for what we are uh, going to throw out there for the uh, uh, month of May, as well as uh, revisiting the three-pitcher rule and things that happened in baseball this week. So all that coming up here in, in the Heater Podcast before we dive in, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it was definitely a hot one uh, for the uh, the popcorn wagon this weekend. Yeah, at the end of April, early May in Wisconsin, we don't expect 80s, and 90s yesterday. Low 90, 90s yeah. 90s yesterday, so it got a little warm. I don't think anybody was ready for it yesterday and it kind of died out and that's okay. I wasn't really ready for it either, but today's like today in Wisconsin are like perfection around here. When it gets mid seventies and there's just a little bit of breeze, this is why you live in Wisconsin for those crappy months too. This is uh, also the the nice week that's coming up. The seven day forecast is talking about like sixties, low seventies. It's going to be more of a, again, I don't mind any of the types of weather, but I always prefer give me the gradual approach, right? Let me get a yeah. little bit more used to I it. I like spring. Uh, and to go from like 60 to 90, uh, it was nice for a day. I'm happy <laughs> to go back to the to uh, the 70-degree weather and enjoy some of that for a bit. Someday we have to do a podcast at the Popcorn Wagon. We still and, have to do uh, that sometime soon. Got to do that and also uh, fire up the uh, uh, the wood-fired pizza that's right. and get that going, too. And it so. can do that. We'll let her do that. That's We're right. busy. That's right. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, uh, we'll uh, let her know that the plans are already in place. That's and, right. We'll uh, tell her that afterwards here. We already signed her name. <laughs> uh, so we'll dive in with our, our first uh, segment looking at uh, body heat and hot off the presses. So we'll first take a look at uh, injuries from around the, the league. Let's start with some of the, the bigger ones, the more longer-term ones. And so we have uh, Travis Darnold, Darnold and uh, Cole Calhoun will be the two longer-term ones. So Darnold is hard to talk about because all we know right now is it's a thumb injury. And two nights ago, he didn't play with a thumb injury, and it was okay. You know, it happens all the time with catchers. They get hit in the thumb, it happens. Yep. And then it was left thumb sprain, and he might have to go on the IL, and then they just put him immediately on the 60-day IL. So there's a lot of speculation. It's nerve things, right? Nerves are tough. Some sort of ligament or something in there that's going to be more extensive. What you're going to see is they called up. They actually have a very highly regarded catching prospect who's – Wilson Contreras' brother, I think it's William Contreras. That's it. And so he's going to be the new catcher for them. As for Cole Calhoun, you may remember he was on the 10-day IL, not to start the season with, I think it was a leg thing then, maybe a knee, and now it's a hamstring. And he had to have a surgery on that hamstring to help repair some of the damage. And it sounded like that's six to eight weeks again. 
They called back up Dalton Varsho, the catcher slash outfield prospect that they have, who they don't seem to like to play very much, and I don't think he can hit very good. So, although I think the Diamondbacks are actually leading the league in runs scored. Did you know that? They're in the top three. I'm just looking at those numbers now because I'm intrigued to see that. And, uh, yeah, uh, they're at 150 runs yeah. scored. Uh, and now that's, this doesn't count today's games, and so the, the Dodgers will surge back in here. Mm-hmm. But the Reds also uh, 151. So the, the top two teams coming into today's games, uh, the Reds at 151, the Diamondbacks at 150. And then you have the Dodgers at 148. That is out of nowhere with the Diamondbacks. With They've even lost some, like, Cole Calhoun's hurt, and Cattell Marte's been hurt. But good for them. They're not going to have to play without Cole Calhoun here for a while. But keep scoring runs, finding a way to do it, right? Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about one of the more, I guess, sad stories of the week as far as a guy that we both really like. I think you mentioned him as one of your favorite young players, and that's Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. He's got the fun hair. He's fun guy to watch play. Kind of the – could have been the next Fernando Tatis-like player, right? We're really marketable. And Energetic, lightning yeah. rod, someone who just gets the team's uh, uh, humming. Pulse going, yeah. Yep. So 23-year-old, he was hitting 290 with a 375 on base percentage, four home runs and seven steals already. A little bit of everything. Through 21 games, but hamstring injury and – Someone that rely yeah. that especially not relies on because you can see a well rounded game, but for someone who utilizes his speed in various ways from on the base paths and also the, his position defensively, that one you hope is not too severe. Yeah, because if it is severe, it could be a while. They're going to call up Isan Diaz, who's a former Brewers prospect, actually. I'm trying to, I don't think that was the Christian Yelich trade, but they had Isan Diaz too, and so he is playing for them, but he is not going to be Jazz Chisholm. Let's take an older player. Let's go Yadier Molina. So Molina, he was on here a couple weeks ago under hot off the presses when he caught his 2000th career game, but alas, age catches up to everybody. Foot tendon strain. Once again, that's a tough injury, right? A guy who's crouching on his feet all the time like he has to do. Uh, They put him on the IL. I read the news on that one. It sounded... Like, it'll probably be a little bit more than the minimum, but they sounded optimistic he'll be back in May. And if we stick with catchers in the uh, NL Central, we can talk about Omar Nevaez and uh, then just dive into just Brewers pity, uh, period, who are the walking wounded. Yeah, they really are the last couple of weeks. So the Brewers have been just, like, ravaged. By, let's just start with catchers. So Nevaez is a left hamstring strain. It doesn't sound very optimistic. It sounds probably closer to three weeks at least. And then... Manny Pena was the backup catcher. Well, he hit the IL a few days before that. We don't usually talk about every injury because there's so many of them, but he hit the IL with a knee. And then earlier in the week, they had to send Jacob Nottingham. They had to make a decision. And when they were both healthy, they had to designate Jacob Nottingham for assignment. And he got claimed by Seattle. And uh, they traded him. They Brewers traded for him the next day because suddenly they needed him again. So they sent cash to Seattle, even though they had the player earlier. And so I think it's 15 I saw where the Brewers are now leading baseball with 15 injuries, but... They're finding a way to win. Obviously, Omar Nevaez, after last year, getting a lot of Brewers fans riled up that how do we let Yosemite Grandal go? What What is this? Why do we have a guy that's hitting like 180 last year? Has been uh, carrying the cover. Yeah, the he's ball. been really good this year. And I sort of think that it was a 60-game sample because he's always been a good hitter. And if we would uh, take a look at some uh, – uh, well, I guess the last uh, batter that we've highlighted here is uh, Yastrzemski with the Giants. Yeah, Mike Yastrzemski, we mentioned him a few weeks ago on trying to heat up a little bit there, but 
Maybe it was the injury because obliques are tough. We've talked about obliques, and he hits the IL with a 10-day oblique strain. They actually – we're going to talk about a trade that they made to help out with this in a little bit here. For uh, pitchers, we have uh, a couple we'll first look at, David Price and then uh, Marco Gonzalez. So we talk about the, the Dodgers pitchers and how deep they are, but suddenly that depth being tested here because both in the bullpen and the starting rotation. So first was Price – which was a grade two right hamstring strain. That floor for that, according to Dave Price, is a few weeks floor. But it sounds like this is more likely a month plus, if not two months type of thing. And I'm going to skip. I know you mentioned Mark Gonzalez. We'll come back to him because I was watching the Brewers game two nights ago when Dustin May was pitching. And we don't know officially yet. If you were watching the Brewers a couple nights ago, you saw Dustin May throw. He gave up a home run to Luis Urias in the very next pitch. He threw it and he like immediately grabbed his elbow and I think the words he used were like shooting or searing or like that type of pain in his elbow. And it, I'm not a doctor, of course. We've t- said that many times on here. But I know what forearm injuries look like. And I know and everything that it looked like. They immediately put him on the IL. He'll get the MRI tomorrow. And I am afraid that we will Just report for next week that yeah. he has had Tommy John surgery. And he will be out for the year. So... We don't, I said, we don't talk all the injuries, but like Corey Knable, Bruce Dar Gratterall, a bunch of guys in their bullpen are hurt. So what was a team that we said? They could have seven or starters. Well, suddenly, Tony Gonsolin, get moving because we need you. Well, and, and this is uh, the Dodgers were overall, you know, there's always the exception for like Kershaw and you never know with his back by and large, but they have been blessed with being with good health. Like last year with their, their championship run, they overall had pretty good health with everything. Uh, now they're starting to get the injury bug, and now it's going to be, again, this is why you have that depth. It's been an assortment of riches when everyone's healthy, but now this is why the necessity is there uh, for this. So now we're going to test out that that depth even more. Uh, Marco Gonzalez is uh, not as, uh, as severe as uh, Dustin May, but it's still the nerves whenever you hear again forearm strain. Yeah, so that was on Tuesday night against the Astros. It... Like you said, it did not. I did not watch this one live, but what I saw was it was not as severe. They thought that it would not require surgery, but at least probably two or three times through the rotation, you won't see Marco Gonzalez. And he was very good last year, uh, probably a little luckier than he should have been. And but it's still a solid pitcher. He's been good for them for a few years, but he's going to miss a little bit of time here as he needs to let that forearm recover. A uh, harder injury for a team that's been more uh, surprising with the sixteen and thirteen record here. And then finally, the last one we have is, uh, you know, we had, I think it's a little over a year ago now, because I don't think it was last year unless I'm forgetting, uh, we had the uh, uh, the random injury of knocking over a table in the bathroom or whatever that uh, Blake Snell said it was. Right. Uh, uh, we had that for the, the random uh, dumb injury of the year. I think we already have a leading candidate for this year, Jesus Lazardo, we had uh, a gamer that uh, snapped from uh, something not going his way. We had, yeah, this is, so he was playing a video game, I guess, and I don't know what that is. I'd love to know what game he was playing that pissed him off so much, but he didn't do something right, and it says, quote, bumped his hand on a desk. Well, I've bumped my hand many times, and I have not broken my pinky finger, but he bumped his hand on a desk and AKA slammed. Yeah. And he has a hairline fracture in his pinky and he hit the IL and he's going to miss some time. Now as that could be a while too. I don't know. Now, how long was that, that pitching hand? I didn't see which one it was. I'm assuming left so. hand. He's a lefty. Yeah. So yeah. So it'll yeah, be in his pitching. That's hand. I mean, you're, I would be shocked if it isn't two months because when <laughs> you're talking pitching hand, that's going to take time. That's got to be stabilized. Not good. Let's talk 
I just want to mention all the guys this week that were quote undisclosed, which at this point in time, it basically means we can assume they're COVID people. Jordan Alvarez, he got off the COVID IL. He is back on the COVID IL, I guess. Last night, and it was he bashed a home run. Oh, did he? Okay, so then maybe uh, it was just in the middle of the week that I saw him miss time. I could be wrong he about had, that. Uh, I just saw that against the the Rays. He okay. Well, then he missed time earlier in the week. Run yesterday. Well, Corbin Burns, the your Cy Young pick, the best pitcher, at least arguably in the National League, not named Jacob Degrom so far this season, hit the IL this week. I think what you have right there, just jumping in, that's what we need to have. You have your Cy Young, and then the best pitcher, not named Jacob Degrom. I think <laughs> that there needs to be, be a second too. award. It should be a second award. Jacob Degrom, you just get your own class. Everybody else competes. I, for one of my hot takes, later on, I should have had that Jacob Degrom wins a game. <laughs> I should have done that, but I didn't. Darn. At this point, that still is a hot take. It's amazing how that's the Mets consistency. <laughs> they are consistent. Uh, Burns hits the IL undisclosed. I'm praying that it's the effects of the second shots, but it's been a few days now. So I'm thinking he probably tested positive. I can't know that for sure. But Jonathan India, IL with undisclosed. Chris Paddock hit the IL with undisclosed. DD Gregorius hit the IL with COVID. So. This is it's still around, folks. Everybody's getting vaccinated and trying to get vaccinated, but it's we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and we're going to keep reporting these guys every week. And just at this point, you just pray, right, that they're going to be healthy. I think actually Adam Wainwright hit it for a while too, but I think he's back, just like or Alvarez. So every week we just keep praying that they recover and don't have to deal with any of the heart palpitations that we've heard comes with some of it. Speaking of, nice to see uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has really been having a great comeback yes, year. he is. That's awesome. Uh, so that's another nice one to if see. If it wasn't for Trey Mancini, you could probably win the comeback player of the year, Eduardo Rodriguez. But Trey Mancini wrapped that up the second he stepped on the field. 100%. Uh, let's go to hot off the presses. We'll take a look first at, uh, we have our first executive firing of the year. Uh, the Colorado. He resigned. Oh, I guess resigned. Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> the, uh, a uh, mutual his, parting of ways uh, yeah. is the way they speculated it. So, so the Colorado Rockies uh, are making a change at a general manager position. Uh, and here's the debate with this one. There was a lot of, uh, and while this could go into uh, when we look at hot button issues, uh, it, we'll, we'll tackle it here just because there's a debate in the uh, MLB reporter world this week on, is this a uh, one person reporting on here's a potential attractive uh uh, destination spot. I guess you could say all of them are because there's only 30 of them to go with uh, from that standpoint. But others were pushing back saying, is it is it really that an attractive of a spot? Are you going to be able to actually get someone here who says, hey, this is going to be a dream gig as far as within those 30? Uh, how do you rate that with the, the executive opening for the new uh, person to, to figure out the Colorado Rockies? Well... Some of it's already been done for you because before Bridget stepped down, he traded Nolan Arenado this offseason, which would have been the first big decision. Whoever takes this job first, and now the first big decision is you have Trevor Story. You have to decide what you're going to do with him. His future is he is the face of this franchise right now, and you have to step in and figure that out. And then we were talking before we started. Denver's a lovely town. I've been to Denver. It's it's wonderful. But if I'm a pitcher and I have a chance to sign with a free agent contract somewhere, unless Denver massively overpays me, I'm not going there because my value is going to tank because it's really hard to pitch there because of a combination of the elevation and it's a huge park. Uh, as for hitters, yeah, they, they're willing to spend money and they find good hitters, And but it doesn't seem like they ever – we talk about this, right? They bring in old guys. This week they sent Sam Hillier to the minors to bring up Matt Adams, who then they, they then played over C.J. Cron. So it is just – do you remember – how many years ago was it that their entire, like – 
development team quit because they weren't using like the the analytics. Do you remember that? I was going to say that's my number one. What I would want here, give me a uh, a, t- a former like Tampa Bay Rays style executive. Get me baseball analytics. Get me someone who's going to try different. We've tried uh, traditional. We've tried old school. It's time for I want to go. If if I'm hiring, if I'm the the Colorado Rockies uh, owner, I want to go all the way the other way. I want to go full uh, bore into analytics and see if they can figure out the Colorado pitching mystery. And you've already tried it the other way. So I'd rather than go for some retread or go for something in the middle, go full that way. Someone who has a chance to make a name for themselves within it, uh, and uh, that's what I would do. I said, if you are the GM that gets out here and wins, and they've made playoff games, it's not like you know I sit. And we kind of crap on the Rockies because they're not very good right now. They're not the Pirates, but they're mismanaged more than they are. Like the yeah. owner will spend. The problem yeah. is they've always they've spent poorly. That's that's the problem. Is they tried to. I remember they've thrown money at Ian the, Desmond, seventy Ian million Desmond. bucks. That's a, that's a good one, and he's even been there the last couple of years. Who is the pitch like Mike Hampton? Going back to like a Ooh, ways. Now like, you're going back. Yeah, like those type of money. Like they'll try to sign pitchers, but for a while they tried to go to this power sinker thing that's been their thing lately right where you talk about the the pittsburgh and their feelings with pitchers the rockies thing is power sinkers at least it makes sense to not elevate the ball yeah but it's hard when you pigeonhole yourself that much yeah and so i've always said if john gray got out of there i think he could be an incredibly good pitcher but while he's there he's always hamstrung by it and herman marquez seems to have kind of found a way to survive there but when he's on the road, he's usually very good. And at there, it's hard. And that's always going to be the case. But they have to find, like you said, they have to go a completely different route, perhaps, or just find some type of an identity. Because right now, they just seem like they've been stuck in neutral. And it's been that way for four or five years already. Yeah, they need a new approach in Colorado. And so, again, rather than go for someone else's third retread, uh, I would go completely different, get someone brand new on the analytics side, and let them take a crack at, at new stats to see uh, can they change the or fix the, the Colorado pitching problem. Uh, we have had one trade this week. Uh, Mike Talkman uh, makes his way. Uh, we mentioned the the uh, injuries uh, that have taken place. This was a response to the Ostremski injury in San Francisco. Yeah, so as Mike Talkman for Wandy Peraltas, and I think the Yankees got another player to be thrown in later, but so two major league players. Uh, Talkman... He's had some success in New York. He had an 865 OPS two years ago with 13 home runs and six steals in half a season. But that's New York, and a lot of that was the left-handed hitting Mike Talkman at Yankee Stadium. You're going to have a lot of success because we talk about the short porch out there. Well, you went from the easiest hitting park for a lefty to quite possibly the most challenging hitting park for a lefty in San Francisco. So, I think Talkman will be serviceable. I but once Mike Ostremski gets healthy, I think he's a bench bat again, and yeah, that's a fine player. It's a good acquisition. It's the San Francisco Giants are leading that division right now. And uh, why don't uh, do we have them coming up? Where we're going to talk about? Uh, we uh, have their pitchers coming up. Okay, that's that's we'll where we'll, we'll it hold there. it. Uh, so let's talk milestones. Joey Votto uh, became the uh, third uh, ever Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Hitter with 300 dingers. Yeah, he's one of the Reds. He's a Reds legend, right? And he's on, the other two are Hall of Fame legends. Johnny Bench, who, if I remember right, we both had as our top catcher in the history GOAT comp, uh, argument. And yeah. Frank Robinson, who was, I don't remember where he was, but he was definitely on that list. So when you're in a class with those two guys, you're something else. I don't think Votto's a Hall of Famer. Do you? No, he 
the sec- again, we talk about needing when we have that conversation uh, about greatest of all times, uh, that uh, it's not just one half of the career, you need both halves. And from injuries, from other things, he has not been the same type of player he was in the first half of his career. Still, still a good player overall, uh, and you know, definitely a legend for Cincinnati, but uh, yeah, not a Hall of Famer. The, the on-base percentage for his career is still 418, but it's dropped. There's years where there's 474 on-base percentages. In the last three, it's been in the 350s, and the average is what used to be 320 consistently the last two years is 220, 260, and 235. So, like you said, it's he's slowing down. It happens to the greatest of them. He's going to go down as a you said very good player, Hall of very good, but probably not a Hall of Famer. Well, let's talk about the the very good the uh, the very good heaters uh, that have taken place uh, this past week. Those that are on a heater, uh, we have uh, right now. We're going to take a look at uh, uh, Corey's got three hitters and two pitchers for his list. I'll add one to each from mine, and then take a look at the leaderboard in a couple of uh, different uh, offensive categories this week. So, why don't we start with hitters? Who do you have on a heater? I'll talk about Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker, he missed the last couple of days, but. He's been leadoff most of the time for Cincinnati, and he's currently hitting 370 this season with six home runs. And I saw a stat, and I can't find it right now, but I believe it was a list of the hitters last year's shortened season and this year's early season with a 1,000-plus OPS, and it is a who's who of baseball. You're talking Trout, Soto, Acuna, and Jesse Winker. And so... Does not get the credit he deserves, but currently slugging 679 this year with an old on-base percentage of 414. And now it's backed up a little bit lucky, a 429 Babbitt, but he never walked. He, or he doesn't strike out that much. He's always drawn a walk, and so I think he's a little underrated. Cincinnati's offense is, like you just mentioned, they've been rolling. I think they won 14-12 to 12 today, or it was like a football score against the Cubs today. 13-12 and 10-12. Yeah, so... Since Andy's offense is rolling, they need a little bit more help out of their pitching, but Jesse Winker's been a big part of that. And uh, uh, one guy who's uh, you expect to be uh, good on this list, well, let me back up because I wanted to mention that with Winker. Uh, obviously, you're not sustaining this level. No one on a heater does unless your name is Mike Trout, which you, if you've seen his season numbers I right know. now, holy just, cow. We never mention him because he's it's just like expected. His, uh, he's just unbelievable. His, uh, I have it here because I, the, I saw it on the Rays game uh, today because they were uh, highlighting that series coming up that we'll talk about. But uh, uh, Mike Trout leads Major League Baseball in all four of these categories. Average on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS. So pretty much everything. Average of 429, on base percentage of 527, slugging percentage, not OPS, slugging percentage of 805, and then an OPS of 1.332. Right. He's... I, we could mention him every week on this list, and it would never go never go away. He should just there should okay. We talk about Jacob Degrom having his say, own award. The, the you could Grom have the hitters. Mike Trout. How he doesn't have more MVPs is amazing to me. You could have the Mike Trout award just because he's so good at hitting the ball. Like I said, there's some guys that are just uh, again. It's hard to put guys in historical context when they're in the middle of the present of their career, right? Uh, these two guys, watch them appreciate them because you are seeing the legends we talk about in previous generations. You're seeing them in real time. So as much as he's on the West coast, at least 
highlights within the games or the week. Like find some way to watch a little bit of Mike Trout uh, this year. Same thing with Jake Degrom when he starts. Get some like from the MLB TV package. Do do uh, condensed games. Watch what some of these guys do because if you want to actually appreciate baseball at large, to see like the to say that I was there, I grew up with these players. Watch some of what they do because it's time to marvel at at Hall of Famers that are here in the present. Uh, Talk so, about yeah. some guy who's got a Hall of Fame daddy, and he's trying to make a name for himself, and it's Vlad Jr. So I have sort of poo-pooed Vlad Jr. Not that I didn't like Vlad Jr. I loved every part of him. I think he hits the ball extremely hard, but last year he hit it in the ground. And this year he seems to have figured out that if I just lift my launch angle just a little bit, I can hit a lot of home runs. So this week, it was really only one day that gets him on this list. He had a three home run, seven RBI day. I think it was Thursday against the Nationals. Actually, it was against Max Scherzer. But for the year, uh, he is doing just fine. He's hitting 349, and his walk rate is higher than a strikeout rate, which is insane for a player who can hit like he can. And he's still only 22. Like That's why you, you can never write this guy off. He could be a in college right now if he had decided to go to college and be considered that type of player. But instead, well, the, it's the, three years of big league ball. The only thing to write off is his just his defensive ability. I mean, he he is a uh, he's a, a the, one of the game's best designated hitters, and he's going to be for many years. Uh, and as long as you accept that, enjoy a very good player. And and once you once he continues to develop his offensive game, which we're seeing here. Uh, you're going to see him take off to a whole nother level yet, and that's uh, definitely fun to watch. I remember what I was going to ask, and that was with Jesse Winker. Obviously, he's not going to stay at that level because that's the Mike Trout level. Uh, but they looked at last year; he had a surge like this, and then he fell back way back to earth. I, what is is he finally breaking out as a solid regular? Is he going to be a consistent contributor with this that uh, Cincinnati now can count on, or is this another fad like last year? It's a, it's a good question because we've, we've seen it a few times out of him where the on-base percentage spikes and he hits a few home runs and then he kind of disappears. So I do think it's a step forward. He's, I think, 27, 28, and that's, you know, some people peak a little later. That's kind of what Mike Yastrzemski did last year. And yep, so yep. – I think that Jesse Winker, I, he's I'm not going to be. I, I don't think he's Nick Castellanos, who also on that team is just. We both talked about him last year, and he's been awesome this year. But I think Jesse Winker, uh, adding average three forty on base percentage. Sure, sign me up. I think yeah. he can be higher than that. Actually, I think he can get three sixty on base percentage with his yeah. ability to walk. So yeah, I, I, I'm all in on Jesse Winker having a very good year as the leadoff hitter for the Reds. We've talked uh, definitely criticisms with the Colorado Rockies and some of the challenges that are there. Let's at least acknowledge their uh, uh, positive moments, especially when it's on a heater. Ryan McMahon makes the list. So McMahon is a guy that they've been reluctant to play, and this is kind of a they're letting him play this year. It's a combination of second and third, and he's delivering. He's got eight home runs, 16 RBIs, hitting two seventy three for the season. He had a couple more home runs this week, and – I think I've always said Ryan McMahon has the potential, if they would play him, to hit 25-plus home runs fairly easily. And so they're playing him. He's delivering what they want. And so, yeah, he, he deserves some recognition. And for once, they deserve some recognition for actually playing their good players. Uh, I will add my hitter to the list, and that's uh, welcome back Chris Bryant, uh, who is uh, – Batting like 320. He's got nine home runs. He's uh, part of the NL home run uh, tied for the leaderboard uh, with that. RBI is very good. I mean, he has been a force uh, for the start of this year. It's nice to see him uh, showing these numbers again. 
think he's second in weighted runs created behind only Acuna in the National League. And I'm looking at his stuff, and it nothing really looks out of like out of alignment with where he could be. So it's not particularly lucky. It's just he looks back to being the hitter that won a couple of MVP awards and is drawing his walks again. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe he recognizes that if he wants to have the we call the uh, in honor of of Blake Snell. Anyone who's in a contract year, it's the I gots to get paid year. <laughs> uh, and so he realizes if he's gots to get paid, he's gots to have the stats. Uh, and in the contract year, this is what you're looking for. Uh, so yeah, Chris Bryant uh, definitely on a, a heater to begin the the year overall. Uh, let's switch to uh, pitchers, and we have uh, a relief pitcher to begin. Uh, James uh, Karasak. Yeah, we don't we don't talk relief pitchers very often on this podcast, but sometimes you do enough that you get you got to get respected here. So I'm going to talk here and check for a minute. It's only ten innings, so if it was a starter, we're talking one maybe two starts. But he's yet to allow an earned run. He has a negative FIP of .19 because he's been that good uh, through those ten innings so far. He has faced. I'm trying to see if I can find batters faced. Thirty seven batters have been faced. He has struck out 22 of them, and he has issued two walks, and he has given up two hits. So if you remember Devin Williams from last year, that's the type of start that James Karinczak has had. He has two saves. They have sort of used him as this multi-inning relief pitcher and then used Emmanuel Classe as the closer. And if you've never seen Classe pitch, he throws like a 102-mile-hour cutter. So it, it, the, the Indians' bullpen, and we've always said, it's the Indians are built on pitching, and their bullpen is part of that. They have... Two very good options at the back end of their bullpen, including James Karinczak, who's been great this year. Uh, this is also a good time to acknowledge uh, whenever one team does it really, really well, uh, to acknowledge the whole thing of what they've done. And the uh, San Francisco Giants just set a record uh, in the first part of the year here that I'll let you share. So we mentioned it. The surprising Giants, yet again, are pacing the NL West 16-16. Uh, and. 12, I think. I don't, I don't have their record in front of me, but very good. And they lead the majors with a 220 starting pitcher ERA. 220. And that's with Johnny Cueto getting hurt, and he's the only one on their team making a whole lot of money. So I have to find the exact stat here. Kevin Gaussman's the ace, yep. right? Yep. And they signed him to that qualifying offer in the offseason of $18.9 million. And then it's a bunch of guys. Anthony DiSclefani, Aaron Sanchez, and Alex Wood all signed to one-year deals, and Logan Webb. You add them all up, and they are making $32.48 million. And they're outpitching the rest of the NL by a half of a run. That entire group makes less than Trevor Bauer. Our, uh, here's a buy-sell question for you, which we'll uh, try to bring that segment next, uh, next week. We'll each give uh, five uh, things from around Major League Baseball and ask the other uh, buy or sell, uh, whatever the statement is. Uh, but uh, for this one, are you going to buy or sell the San Francisco Giants as the new uh, pitching uh, guru creators. Yes, yes. I, I really like what Brian Bannister does. They tell their – okay, so they have the advantage, of course, of having that great hitting – that great pitching park, right? That that helps, but they take advantage of it too. So Aaron Sanchez was great, I don't know, four years ago it's been. It's been a while, and Dee Sclafani was always – he always had a much lower ERA on the road because Cincinnati is tiny and because they give up a lot of fly balls, but they find these guys that have fly ball tendencies, sign them and say, you know what? Pitch to your fly balls. They're not flying out of here. It's really humid and the ball doesn't carry well here. So pitch to your fly balls and they're having a lot of success with it. 
Uh, the name that I'm going to add in here is another oldie but goodie, Corey Kluber, especially coming off his eight-inning uh, shutout uh, and 10-strikeout performance today. Uh, he is now up to this week, 14.2 innings pitched, 15 strikeouts, only one run given up in those two starts. So he went six and two-thirds, only gave up one run, eight innings today, uh, and uh, shutout innings. Uh, again, a solid week uh, for him. The question always is longevity, but for this week, he has looked like the Corey Kluber of old. He was always a slow starter, too. He was always a guy who started slowly, even he was in his prime in Cleveland. So now we're a month in. Maybe he's starting to feel a little better. But like you said, we were at... 21 innings pitched this year that's 20 more than last year and he's rapidly approaching 2019 so let's just see how that arm holds up here also a milestone gaining his 100th career win today in the uh, the shutout performance congratulations for the uh, leaderboard for the week uh, home runs uh, jesus aguilar and tyler o'neill both hit four home runs this week sorry brewers fans yeah there's a lot of people complaining because jesus aguilar was famously a brewer and 2018, he had a great year. In 2019, he was really bad, and they actually they sent him to your team, didn't they? Yeah, it never quite clicked yeah, there. They sent him to your team, and but he's back in Miami, and he Love had a life. nice year last year, and started hitting home runs this year. And Tyler O'Neill is an interesting guy. He strikes out way too much, hit way too many strikeouts, like 32 percent of the time. But when he connects, does it go a long way? Yeah. And when he reaches base, can he steal bases? Yeah. It's kind of like a Young Adam Dunn. When Adam Dunn was young, he yeah. could steal bases and good, hit home runs. Good connection there. Thank you. Uh, and then RBIs, uh, Aaron Judge leading the way with 10 RBIs this week. He's really good. I, have they been winning? They must have been winning some, too. They must be starting to win some games. That, that offense uh, is uh, started to wake uh, wake up. Uh, obviously, with Corey Kluber, we're talking about some of the pitching. Yeah, started back to, to 500, I see. So, yeah, that that's good. And that, I said they're not going to stay bad forever. That offense has too many good players although we're going to talk about one in a second here, that has not figured it out and has found himself firmly planted on the bench recently. And the last thing we'll do here is give a shout-out to uh, Baltimore's John Means, who's at two Ws this week, along with Matt Harvey that you brought up there. There's the, it was only four wins for the Baltimore this week, but they came at the hand of both of those guys uh, starting at the, the two starts each week. So John Means 2-0 and Matt Harvey 2-0. I mentioned I like John Means in the offseason, and I stick to it. I think John Means is pretty good. Matt Harvey, I thought Matt Harvey was washed up two, three years ago when it was was it the Kansas City he went to to try to revitalize his career, but he's showed up in spring training, was pretty good for them, earned himself a rotation spot, and that's three straight decisions with a win. Good for you, Matt Harvey. Keep it going. We, You're never going to be this. He's not the same pitcher. If you've watched him pitch since the Mets days, he is not even close to the same pitcher that he was back then because his – Velocity is nowhere near the same, but we've seen people figure out a way to pitch and be successful other ways before. Hanging on to have uh, uh, keep that major league career going. Uh, let's talk about you got burned. Let's talk about a statement uh, win from the week. Uh, and uh, there we can give the uh, the Milwaukee Brewers some love, uh, despite some of the challenges with uh, the the Marlins series. They came back to take three of four against uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, despite all of those injuries uh, that have taken place. Yeah, I. I don't usually try to give them too many strokes on this podcast because that's obviously me being a homer, but this last week, I, I got to give them some love. So they got beat destroyed today uh, as some guy I've never heard of named Alec Bettender made his big league debut for the Brewers, and they got beat 16-4 to today, but I'd rather have the Royals or the Dodgers score 16 in one game than beat them every game. So there you go. Uh, 
Last night, I don't know if you watched any of the Brewers last night. It was an incredible game against the Dodgers. Did you see any of nice, it? Was that nice back and forth? Is that the one was, I'm remembering? And they, and they ended it. So the Dodgers took a 5-3 lead in the bottom of the 11th, actually, or the top of the 11th. And the Brewers drew some walks like like uh, Luke Maley, who they signed as a catcher, and Mariano Feliciano, and they drew some walks. And eventually Travis Shaw hit, hit an RBI, and they won 6-5 in the bottom of the 11th. It was a great game, and the day before, or the first game of the week, they had Eric Lauer come up, who had been horrible at all spring training, horrid. If you remember, Lauer was there last year, and he looked terrible, but they needed a pitcher to fill in for Corbin Burns, and Trevor Bauer pitched a complete game against him, eight innings, but they still beat him, and said, and then Freddie Peralta in between. So it's a lot of contributions from guys that, before the season started, if you'd have told me that they were going to run out a lineup that beat Trevor Bauer, that included guys like Tyrone Taylor and Billy McKinney, I'd have said, ha, good luck, right? But they're finding a way. Devin Williams is getting better. It looks better. Um, getting out of some of those early season uh, hiccups. The one guy who does not look good and really needs the minor league. We, we've talked Keston yeah. here before. We could talk him every week on ice cold segments here, but Keston here needs to go to the minor leagues. Uh, his defense is horrendous over there he's he looks like he is so nervous at all times and it he does no longer fall off pitches it is three pitches and you're out and it's sad to watch because i've seen keston here have that's first six first year he had so much success and people expected good things but at this point the minor league baseball it started i believe right it's it starts this uh this week so i think also next week we'll give you some of uh a minor league update uh, as the season kicks off. We have uh, AAA rosters. Uh, we'll start talking about uh, some of those uh, things coming up here next week as well. I just want to mention, so Keston Hira here is at 152. Yeah, he has 12 he, for 79, he, and he, he is striking it. out. Uh, I have the season stats there. He has struck out 32 times in 79 bats. It's sad to watch at this point. He, he needs to get some confidence. We've seen the talent be there. You don't lose your talent at, what is he, 23, 24? I don't know how old he is, but... However young he is, 24, you do not just lose that ability that you had at 22. So go down. I should mention, so it, it came out earlier this week that Keston Hira's mom, I think, has lymphoma. He shaved his head. So, like, these guys are not robots, mm. right? They're not robots. Like, he's obviously got a lot on his plate right this now. This happened to Manuel Margot with the yeah. Rays last year with another, like, family, like, a parent issue with them. I believe he lost his mom yep. uh, with them, and you could tell it impacted him mm-hmm. early in the year. He's now tearing the cover off the ball, but, but he has yeah, personal issues. And yeah, right? Steal some bases. But yeah, so Keston Hira, maybe he just needs to, like a reset of himself, catch up with his mom, whatever it is. Like, let him go. I don't even take a month off. It can't hurt. <laughs> At least take a look, take something off, and then go uh, get down to the, the minors, just reclaim the swing. Uh, there's a lot of mo- there's going. always been a lot of moving parts in his swing. He has like the toe tap and the leg kick, so it always has to be like timed up right. And when it is timed up, he hits the ball to all fields. Right now, it's not. He kicks off our where's the heat as we look at the those that are on uh, that are ice cold. And uh, Gary Sanchez, who we alluded to before, uh, went from uh, being hyped back up and some early like a first week surge uh, to have everyone trying to say that he's uh, back to his old numbers. And well, the truth is, yeah, he is back to his old numbers and out of a starting gig. Yeah. So we remember he had two home runs in the first two days, and he's had two home runs, and he's had one RBI since then. And that average that the first couple weeks, by April 14th, it was still at 265. Well, he is now in a massive slump, and we're back down to 190 Gary Sanchez. And even more concerningly, is maybe not concerningly, he's basically sort of been benched recently. He played, I see yesterday, and he had a nice day, hit three hits, which got his average, or sorry, no, he had no hits. He went 
he had four plate appearances. I was looking at the wrong stat here. He had no plate appearances. He's down to 180 now. And as usual, he strikes out way too much, and that's always going to be a problem with him. They've started to play Kyle Higashioka more than him at this point, and maybe Gary Sanchez, he's another one. Like He probably needs a new spot, I'm sure, playing in Yankee Stadium, whereas the venue should help him. The pressure of being there at this point, it seems to be getting to him a little it's bit. It's another change of scenery name that makes it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Dylan Moore with the uh, Seattle Mariners had a great with the short season uh, last year. Uh, had an excellent uh, uh, year in the, the short season, not so much in uh, 2021. So Dylan Moore was basically a career journeyman who made his debut in 2019 at the age of 26 and hit 206. And then last year, guess what? We only played 60 games, and he played 38 of them. And it was like, wow, Dylan Moore, he's got power and speed. He hit eight home runs, stole 12 bases, and he hit 255. But maybe that was the small sample size because it's sure looking that way. Now we have an even smaller sample size to start this year, but he's only played 10 less games this year than he played all of last year. And, yeah, he still steals a few bases. He has five of them, but 33% strikeout rate, which is what he was at two years ago. And so his batting average is sitting at 139. And... I think it's better than that, but I'm not sure it's much better than the Mendoza line. Uh, Alec Bohm, another uh, young uh, player, young prospect with the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, has had very good numbers in the past. It's just not happening right now. So Bohm's a little better than those other guys. Bohm, remember, he was competing with – He was, I think he finished second behind Devin Williams in Rookie of the Year last year. I see he has an RBI tonight so far. He, he's got three home runs, but – He's also striking out a lot, too, 96 at-bats, 27 strikeouts already. So he's at 229. I He'll be fine. I think he. I have more, much more hope for Alec Bohm than I do for Gary Sanchez or Dylan Moore at this point. I think the last year's 338 average is probably – that very well maybe his highest average he ever has. He is not that type of a hitter. So can he get to 250? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The two pitchers we'll highlight here are the – uh, some older names, Kyle Hendricks and Charlie Morton. So Hendricks is so weird because the second I started to buy, for years he's outpitched every peripheral number he's ever had because he induces tons and tons of soft contact. That's how he's always survived. And so where every stat cast data, all things on Fangraphs would say he's a half run, two runs, or a half run to a run better than his ERA, this year it's not. He's just not. He's walking more batters than ever which is surprising because he has excellent control. Now, he's getting unlucky. A guy who's never had higher than a 14% home run the fly ball rate has a 35 right now. So that will correct. I, it may not get back down to 14 just because that's so high right now, but it will get better, Cubs fans, and he will start inducing ground balls. Right now, that is not happening. That will start happening again, I think. Uh, it's just a strange weird five starts in the middle of a year i guess well and it's the full collective so we can put the whole chicago cubs rotation uh on this list right now uh buzzsaw type of a week for them they're in the middle of a, a three and seven slide in their last uh last 10 games uh this uh these stats were posted on twitter and first that the cubs rotation on the seven game road trip uh posted a 9.53 era and a 2.08 whip uh, with roughly only going four innings uh, pitched per game. So they logged 28.1 innings pitched. They at least got a strikeout per nine, 28, uh, 28 strikeouts, but 15 walks, 30 runs given up on 44 hits, 12 home runs. 
in just 28 innings pitched. Uh, as much of a forgettable week as you could have. I think we said in the offseason we didn't really doubt the offense, but there's Kyle. I, I don't still doubt that Kyle Hendricks will be good. I He's not that bad of a pitcher. I think he'll get better. But Edward Asli has some upside, I guess, would be the way to use it. But Jake Arrieta, very little confidence in Jake Arrieta. Zach Davies, very little confidence in Zach Davies. And Trevor Williams, very little confidence. And guess what? They get to play three games against the Dodgers this week. So we'll see. Um, the, the Cubs pitching staff is tough. It's rough. Uh, coming up was Charlie Morton was the other name. Charlie Morton, he moved to the Braves this offseason. We mentioned that many times because he, he moved from your team. And it's been a slowish start. He has a five-year. I don't know if that includes the start today. Once again, he's given up. His thing so far has been that he also was walking too many batters, which he hasn't really had since the Pittsburgh days. So he's 37, right? That The question is always, have you lost effectiveness just even a little bit at that age? A little bit less velocity can lead to a little bit easier off-speed stuff to hit. Um, I'm more worried about Charlie Morton than Kyle Hendricks. I think that he'll be serviceable. I think he can pitch to a mid-fours ERA, which is what he did last year after so many years of those three ERAs. And maybe mid-fours is where he's at now. And the Braves' offense is starting to pick it up a little bit. So mid-fours ERA could still be very good for them. See, I want to look under the hood for him because with watching him in the last two years, uh, what we learned is that the first 75 pitches, very good. Uh, But once you get to, like, pitch 76, the velocity drops off. Uh, and the effectiveness drops off. So he he hits a cliff hard. Now, again, if you're at that pace where that's the the length that you can provide, eventually that becomes uh, – we talk about some of these older guys that, you know, it takes them a little bit more, like a full month to get their arms fully warmed up and going. And so with some of the older guys, the, the, the old uh, saying is, you know, just give them a little time, and eventually they rebound. And most of them do, but eventually you reach that cliff where you're waiting for them to rebound – and it just never happens. And so that's the question with Charlie Morton. But I want to take a look at when his runs are being given up, uh, if he's uh, later in games, if it's right away, because uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if their pitch usage with the challenges that we saw with him last year, again, how to make him as most effective, and is that happening in Atlanta? I got the some of the stat cast data up here, and for example, they have their, what his actual ERA is 508. His expected ERA is 336, so he's getting a little unlucky. I'm uh, just looking at his pitches. He's kind of changed up his pitch mix a little bit, which is surprising, but he's getting a lot of stuff. He's he's not really using his – didn't he use a sinker a lot last – no, it was a it was a curveball, right? He's curveball fastball, basically, right? Yep, okay, yep. so maybe I'm right. Maybe, maybe I'm a little wrong there, but I guess he's, he's basically keeping it going. So, obviously, if they see his expected ERA to be over a run less, he's getting a little unlucky, and it'll change over the long haul. Well, I'll look into that my, myself because I'm curious on, on that one, but uh, just to see when he's giving up those runs because that's also something I'm, I'm wanting to see. The Atlanta Braves pitching staff, this should be out there, or pitching uh, uh, from a, their coaching staff, uh, are they are they looking at that? So I'm curious to take a look at that later, and I'll, I'll report back what I hear. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to take a look at the revisit the three-pitcher rule and uh, the the – uh, challenging or almost harrowing uh, injury uh, to uh, Bryce Harper and uh, things that took place there. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, bold MLB predictions for May, uh, as well as give our updated hot takes and uh, fire up the hot stove for my top 10 uh, names to keep in mind. Coming up next.
my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. Freeze it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! As we dive into our hot and bothered uh, segment here, we're going to take a look at just the the one issue uh, of revisiting the three pitcher rule. Uh, and then again, Bryce Harper was uh, buzzed in the the face. Absolutely amazing that he didn't end up with any sort of major fracture or long term injury. That thing looked bad. Uh, He's out there tonight. He's made his return to the game tonight, which is incredible. We've seen him deal with injuries before, and a lot of times they're these type of things where it's kind of fluky. Uh, he plays so hard, right, and is off to an amazing start. We talked about him a couple weeks ago on the on how he's on a heater, and he's kept it going. He's got a hit tonight, but yeah, he it was Genesis Cabrera. It was against the uh, the Cardinals. Uh, came in as a relief pitcher, and I don't remember if it was his first pitch, but I think it was his first batter he faced. He threw his ninety seven mile an hour heater, and it hit Bryce Harper square in the chin, and he dropped to the ground as any normal human being would. But unlike most normal human beings, within a matter of minutes, he was up on his own and went to the dugout, which is unbelievable. And of course he had to clear all the concussion protocols, which you absolutely should. And he did. And he missed a few days, which I said, any normal human being is out for a while at, cause you can very easily break a whole bunch of bones up there, but he's back and playing. But the, the, the issue is Genesis Cabrera hits Bryce Harper and the next batter I was going to say, for the first one, an errant throw happens. It's a, a sad part of baseball, but it happens. But then now with the next batter up, he hits, I don't know if it was a fastball, but whatever pitch he threw, he hit Didi Gregorius, who follows Bryce Harper in the order, at least that day, not always, but that day he was following Bryce Harper. He hits him like upper shoulder, like upper shoulder ribs area, and suddenly you're at two hit batters in a row. And guess what? You have to face a third one because the current rule is three face batters. Well, whoever is in there next has got to be just scared for their life, right? Like you're bailing out. And does the three batter rule work? And here's here's the true question. Like I said, in most circumstances, the three batter rule works. I, I think it is good as far as uh, it eliminates the the constant pitching changes. Uh, it, it makes you have to be a little a little more strategy because uh, you you get burned on it when you have a guy that's uh, the control isn't there. He's not pitching well. You can't yank him right away. You have to live through whatever happens for three batters. I, I like it overall, but like any rule. Uh, anything there, there needs to be the ability to supersede that rule. For example, when player safety becomes a concern and uh, the the way that this could work, number one, yes, an umpire should have the uh, ability or the authority to say, you know, this guy isn't, uh, isn't there. He's a uh, a liability uh, to the health of of batters. Uh, You have to pull him. Like whether it's, you call it an ejection, call it whatever you need to do. Uh, but where you can do that. Now, I think the best way to be fair with this is to give the opposing manager the final, like the the 
Umpire flags it. He goes and talks to the opposing manager, and the opposing manager gets to decide, uh, no, we're comfortable with him being out there, or no, he's got to go. Because that's the team that would be penalized uh, by this. When you have someone who's lost their control, that's a guy that you want to stay out there for as many batters as you can because that's in your favor. Now, again, if you're worried about your own player safety or something within it, then you get to decide that so this way there is no uh, penalty uh, for that. You decide what's best for your team and the health of your team. That would be the most fair way to make a player safety tweak to the the three-batter rule. So I watched a lot of MLB Network and listened to some, and I think your solution might be the best one I've heard as far as having – a combination of the umpire and the opposing manager come in and step in. Uh, a lot of people just said, oh, then you intentionally walk the next batter or whatever, so you get through three, which is fine, right? It, but it, you, as a manager, you got it looks a little weird, but I, I understand why you do it. But I, I like your solution. I think it's a great idea. You should write to Rob. You should send to Rob an email right now. I, I, I'm also uh, uh, better than MLB Network. That's why you listen to the Heater Podcast, <laughs> man. That's already right there. But... I, I would also be fine for any reason. I suppose the other way to make it simple, you hit the first two guys, you automatically lose the third. He goes to first. I'm fine with that, whether yeah, a guy gets a, a light ding or if he's buzzed by the head or anything else. That would be the simple way. If you come in, if you end up hitting the first two guys, you don't even get to face the third. He's going to first base, and you're out of the game. I'm, I'm fine with that as a tweak, too. Uh, that would be at least a more simple way to approach it because what we don't want to do is put more authority in the hands of umpires. Oh, my uh, goodness. We, we need, oh, my goodness. We need the robot strike zone as soon as the technology is fully available, vetted, and ready to go. I am, I'm officially I'm done with umpires behind home plate. It has gotten worse with it time. Uh, I don't know why that is. If it's just from the fact that we have more guys throwing so fast that it's hard for them to see it. And we, we've maybe. seen the pitch velocity increase. Pitch movement has increased. So maybe this is getting beyond uh, from a certain level that we were used to seeing from what uh, umpires were able to do. Has pitching advanced to the point that having a human back there is not the, you're not going to get the level of, uh, of correctness that we're used to seeing. Uh, I could complain about the umpires every week in this segment, but... This is a personal vet venting time here for the Milwaukee Brewers. As I said, I don't usually want to talk about them. It's been bad. Okay. They have been at the the butt of all of these things this year. Let's start. Let's start with the obstruction call of I don't know what day it was, like Monday maybe. It was against the Marlins. So the ball gets hit to the pitcher who's like down the first baseline, flips it to the first baseman. Clearly not in the, anywhere's near this. Not anywhere's near the the runner. I get obstruction is a great call, right? Yep. I, I get the purpose of obstruction. This is not obstruction. Craig Council gets thrown out of the game because he should, because it is a terrible call, and the umpires defended it. And if you saw Trevor Bauer, we love Trevor on this podcast. I love he, love the troll job. He's in Milwaukee. He's he's got a ball over there, and he just pulls up and puts his hands up like, don't don't call it on me. Like I didn't do it, and he's right. Everybody saw it. It was terrible. And then rolled the crap out of the umpires that game. I loved it. Last night, we're in a tie game here. I think it's the eighth inning. Colton Wong steals second. They they call him out on the field. Fine. I'm good with it. It is a bang, bang play. But guess what? We've talked about replay on this podcast before, and replay clearly shows him in there, and everybody sees it. And guess what? Those people in New York said, nope, we're going to uphold the call. And it's, why are we doing this? Just get rid of it at this point. It just makes people frustrated. It's so annoying that everybody in New York thinks we, we're so chummy with our fellow umpires. We, we can't, we're not going to go against this. 
here's because you and I watch uh, multiple sports, so it isn't just. Uh, it's easy to say all oh, you know the the officiating crew. That's the favorite thing to do in every sport, right? How terrible the the uh, officiating crew is. Well, we watch other sports, uh, and as much as I, uh, there's always issues within uh, officiating around. MLB by far is the worst. Oh yeah, uh, for oh, of any of the professional sports that is there, MLB is the worst. And I wonder how much of that is the actual umpires and how much of it, again, comes from the top. Uh, and, and case in point, instant replay. Here's where you should be able to fix it. This is what every sport has figured out, right? Every sport has figured out this is there to help the human error side of things. And every other sport, for the most part, the accuracy level of it has been good. They have improved it. It has made things worse with Major League Baseball. Something that has been able to improve everywhere else not only has maintained, it has made it worse in, in Major League Baseball. And, yeah, I'm going to give that to Rob Manfred because everything he touches goes to crap anyways. I'm putting that one on him, too. And so fix it, Rob. Fix it. So that wasn't meant to be a hot and bothered. I know. But it definitely I had to get it in there. When you mentioned so that, that umpiring, uh, <laughs> I just had to mention it in there. My bad. No, no, that was because uh, I forgot about the, uh, the obstruction The obstruction, call. Call. The obstruction was terrible. And then Trevor Bauer and, afterwards, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So let's talk about hot-button issues as we take a look at uh, some of the better uh, articles around uh, Major League Baseball uh, coverage this past week. Uh, some interesting, uh, two specifically we will talk about. And the first one comes from MLB.com, about seven guys uh, you never expected to be this good. So here's guys that were out to a uh, surprising surge uh, to start the season. So I got this one, and let's see if I can. It's taking a second here. Okay. Danny Duffy, we mentioned the we mentioned the Royals a lot because they're my pick. Still trending towards first place in the American League Central. We mentioned before Danny Duffy has a long and history and story career with the the Royals, but in four starts, one earned run with the highest strikeout rate of his career through the first month. Do you think it can last? He looks like a a prime breakout candidate, right? They've always said the the stuff is there, but he's never been able to put it together. A lot of control based uh, has been an issue. Not right now. Uh, he has started out extremely hot. You could easily put him for on a heater for a month with uh, with what he's done. Uh, not this good, uh, but these are all of the numbers that you would want to see. Uh, again, this is a team that's uh, breaking out, uh, and I will uh, since it's not always the easiest to uh, trump your own uh, horn. There, I'll trump it for you. Uh, this was probably the biggest prediction uh, from the. Uh, we had two two biggies that I would say. Uh, that have been very positive so far. You had the the Royals winning the division, uh, and they have one of the best records in baseball right now, currently leading the division, the AL Central. Uh, and some of these guys breaking that way is exactly how it works. Uh, Corbin Burns is the other the other big one. Uh, uh, but I have to look back at, uh, did you have the Twins not making the playoffs? Was that the, the one, or was that me? I know I had, I know I had the Atlanta Braves not making it, uh, but I can't remember. I thought one of us had the Twins not. Uh, making it, which that's been very accurate right now, and I'll definitely stand by that uh, by that hot take. I have to find it later. I can't find it right now. But uh, so, an answer to your question, Danny Duffy, uh, uh, not this good, but he's one of the big uh, biggest reasons why this team is uh, uh, surging and proving you right. Let's talk Ty France here of the Mariners. Ty France of the Mariners traded last season along with Taylor Trammell for Austin Nola. Played every game so far for the Mariners, getting on base at 4.06. And I think I mentioned Ty France. I like Ty France in the offseason. I didn't think he'd be this good, but the Mariners, another surprising team. The uh, random numbers, uh, uh, finding these guys that happen just to 
to do well in Seattle. We mentioned Dylan Moore last year, and now Ty France here. They find these uh, from journeyman guys to guys that are maybe less heralded prospects uh, coming up and doing well. Now, from everything I remember about Ty France, here's someone who had a, a more bat than no position, uh, yes. and that bat is definitely playing up. The cat just bit me. He just sneezed before it, too, so there's, <laughs> the cat's convulsing down here. Okay, uh, next is Tyler Malley, the Reds. So, Luis Castillo, not particularly good so far. Sonny Gray, not particularly good so far. Tyler Malley, very good so far. So he has a 35% strikeout rate, higher than it's ever been, and he's been their ace of this team to start the year. I think he started today, but I, I think he had a, maybe gave up four or five earned runs in that game where they gave up 12. I'm, I'm definitely buying it. Uh, this was a, a, a pitcher who, uh, Corey may not make it. I might have to do this one solo in the second half here. We'll see what happens. But uh, this is one I'm definitely buying uh, because he was uh, different reporters, had him as their breakout candidate coming into the year. Uh, some they thought would be the next uh, good pitcher in Cincinnati, and he has lived up to it uh, in the first month of the year. Talking Orioles guy, Cedric Mullins, leading off for the Orioles every day, five foot eight, leading baseball in hits. Um, I have to say, I actually have Cedric. I have multiple. I only talk about one of my fantasy teams. I have multiple fantasy teams. I actually have Cedric Mullins on quite a few of them because I kind of liked the fact that he was leading off, and he's looking great right now. Did you get him on the on the? I ah, wish I did. That would have uh, been a, a boost. I know uh, for my for, stolen bases. We'll we'll talk about that one in just a little bit too. I, I pro, again, props to the Baltimore Orioles for finding another. Uh, the random players, Anthony Santander was the big breakout last year. Now you have Cedric Mullins this year for a team. Again, you're trying to find building blocks and, and uh, uh, players that can help you uh, with the next stage of things. And yes, it's all about uh, watching Trey Mancini return healthy. And that's been great to see. Uh, but uh, other than some injuries, Santander has been okay. Hasn't he? Yeah, he was great until he got hurt and Trey Mancini has been good. And Baltimore, they're never, they don't they're, have the pitching yet. They're not competitive within the division, but we never talk about them as like they're not Colorado anymore. They're definitely not Detroit. They're not Pittsburgh. I think they've moved beyond them as far as like super rebuilding teams. And it was pretty quick because it was about this time last year. We thought they were going to be the worst team in baseball. They, they're they already showing signs of life. There's a pulse in Baltimore, and now we have to see if they can keep finding guys like Cedric Mullins to help out. We're going to just mention Trevor Rodgers. We talked about Trevor Rodgers before. He's on this list. He still looks great. He's been actually the best so pitcher good. on the Marlins so far. Former Tampa Bay Ray, I think probably the best hitter so far the year on the Texas Rangers is Nick Solak, right? Nick Solak's looking really good. I've uh, followed him since the uh, develop, you know, developing prospect within the the Rays, and when they drafted him, he was an all bat, no de- no glove player. Still somewhat the same with the glove. The glove has been at least passable, but the bat is there. Contact on uh, patience, you know, on base percentage. Uh, he has been very good for, for Texas, and again, especially in an area that does well with, uh, with their, their batters. Uh, but he has been someone who Tampa Bay has been missing. And uh, for all the credit you, uh, that is easy to give the Rays, I will gladly be the first one to state, you know, at least last year you had uh, – Cronenworth, uh, former uh, on the Rookie of the Year candidate there, and now Nick Solak. Uh, Nate Lowe is still among the league leaders in uh, RBIs. Uh, so there's been guys, especially uh, the Rays have a blind spot with overlooking more bat and less glove uh, players, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens with Nick Solak. Last one on this list is the Mookie Betts replacement, the trade man himself, Alex Verdugo. 
he's got an 854 OPS. He's getting on base at a 364 clip, hitting 298. He has three home runs. He stole a couple bases. He's never going to be Mookie Betts. And that's always going to be the problem with him. He's going to be compared to Mookie Betts. But he's a fine player in his own right and is going to be a very good player for the Red Sox for a long time. That's the one name I, I question being on this list at all. I would have been fine with six guys never expected to be this good. Alex Verdugo was a highly rated prospect, uh, and I very much expected him to be this good. I think a lot of people that follow prospect and prospect development expected him to be this good. Uh, so it's nice to see that the full breakout is happening. Uh, but, yeah, this one was uh, meeting expectations for sure. Let's look at uh, you had one more uh, an excellent article you found this week from uh, Bold MLB predict, uh, predictions for the month of May. And so there were there's 10 on here. This is also from MLB.com. Anthony Castrovinci, I hope I said that right. His first one, the Twins will stop storm to the top of the AL Central. In a word, no. Uh, I I don't I don't see it. Uh, the uh, everything taking place with uh, the, the Minnesota Twins uh there's you can't pinpoint just one issue with this team. Uh, there's been issues with the uh, rotation, issues with the bullpen. Uh, hitting has been uh, uh, okay, but not much outside of like some of your big guys. There's not a lot of depth uh, that's going on there. There's major red flags all over the Minnesota Twins. Uh, uh, so you had the right Twins now. winning. I found it. You had the Twins winning and the White Sox as a wild card. I had Kansas City <sighs> winning and the White Sox as a wild card. So you are you have pegged uh, the AL very very yeah. well with. Uh, uh, Kansas City and Minnesota. I will say this for the Twins. Kirilov has come up. He had three home runs this week. He looked very good, looks comfortable, and Byron Buxton's still very good. So There's they, hope there. There's hope. There's like, hope. I'm not writing them off yet. I don't think that they are going to be at the top of the AL Central in a month. I think they will be very competitive still. And, again, baseball, again, it's it's harder because it, uh, we make the hot takes because we're used to a 60-game season from last year. 162 game, again, we're talking marathon, not sprint. And so it's easy to have overreactions to these shorter times that mattered more last year than they do during traditional seasons. Yes, Minnesota's 10 and 16, uh, but there's plenty of time left in, uh, to write the, the field. Again, I covered them uh, back in Minnesota when they were five games under 500 going into June, and they stormed back to win the division. Uh, by the end of that uh, season. So uh, plenty of baseball left. Uh, uh, Minnesota fans don't lose hope. There's still a lot of talent and more talent that's coming together. We'll see what happens. But there's yes, there's a lot of questions now. Let's see what answers they can find. Number two, I think we both think this one's going to happen. The Jared Kalnick show will begin in Seattle in this month. They're they're ready to keep bringing up their, their young talent. They're in full youth movement, building blocks. They're enjoying the, the start to the, the season with their wins. But, yeah, definitely that uh, – expect him up this month. Francisco Lindor will hit his 200th career double, which would mean he gets eight more. He has won the season. He's been really cold. It's not happening in May. Uh, not yet. Uh, no one is or should be worried about Francisco Lindor. He is experiencing all the classic trademarks of a uh, a major, a marquee player moving to a different market, moving to a major market, uh, and not only a marquee player moving to that and trying to prove himself, but now after a monster contract uh, was signed in, in the offseason, this is all the classic textbook case of the uh, trying too hard pressing, numbers not being there initially. He's fine. He's going to hit very well for the year. I have absolutely no concerns about Francisco Lindor other than it's just a slow start. Completely agree. Number four, Bryce Harper will have another huge month. So apparently he has a... 
if you ch check his advanced data, as good as he's been, he's actually getting unlucky, which I didn't know. He has a very <laughs> high – the metrics say that he should be hitting about 40 points higher. And it says other than getting hit in the face, they're not sure what can slow him down. I think I picked Bryce Harper last year to win my MVP award, I'm pretty sure. And I picked Seeger this year, and he's been fine, not great. But Bryce Harper is always – if it wasn't for Mike Trout, we would talk about how amazing Bryce Harper is. I always feel like that. I would agree at this uh, – the – underrated player list or underappreciated player list. Uh, you, you think, how can perennial MVP candidates make that? But I think for that very reason, you just you expect it so much out of them that you don't appreciate the numbers that they put up. Uh, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper easily fit that. Number five, I can safely say it's not going to happen. This was written two days ago. Dustin May will not win the pitcher of the month in the month of May. I, even though, uh, uh, all right, uh, for your Justin Timberlake fans, it's going to be May. Uh, not <laughs> nope. for Dustin May this May. Sorry. Here's a good one for you, your team. G-Man Choi will homer in his first at-bat of 2021. I hope so. Uh, he's close to coming back. Uh, Peter Fairbanks is close to coming back. Uh, they have uh, guys that are on the mend. They, they need uh, an influx, and I'll be curious to see with uh, – uh, Yoshi Sutsugo has just not been able to live up to expectations of what they hoped he could be. Uh, I, I think we're going to find out uh, by the time he comes back and gets rolling just how much G-Man Choi means to the Tampa Bay Rays offense. And I always appreciated him for being a good player. Uh, I don't think they realized how much he helped things go. I think that's going to be a big boost to the Rays offense. At the end of the month, first place, Diamondbacks, which I think they're in fourth right now I would guess I don't have the, the lineup in front of me but he thinks by the end of the month the first place Diamondbacks and I said their offense has been great they're only two games back right now so let's uh we'll mark that uh, they're seven and three on a major surge they're 15 and 13 the Giants are leading at 17 and 11 so again the Dodgers uh did not have that going into like so the, the le leaderboard after April was the Giants not the Dodgers so could it happen in another month that we have someone else leading besides the Dodgers we're only half a game back, uh, and eventually we'll take things. But is it possible? Sure. I don't believe in Madison Bumgarner, no matter how much of a hot streak he has or a heater he goes on. Uh, this team is, is uh, a pleasant surprise, but they're not leading the division at the end of May. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it, maybe the Dodgers will have enough injuries, and then I think it'll be the Padres. Although the Giants have been good, too. I. I don't see the Diamondbacks actually in any of those teams' class yet. They're better than the Rockies, right? But I don't see them in any of those teams' class. Here's a super hot take. George Springer will have a four-homer game. So Springer's back. He had two home runs. Uh, I part of the, It looks like part of their reasoning is that Dunedin is so small, and we've seen a lot of balls flying out of there. I Predicting a four-homer game would be unbelievably impressive. Did, did Vlad's happen there? It's happened there, yes. Okay. I, I was going to uh, be more uh, critical of, of the, the the prediction just for being too outlandish, but now I understand they're factoring in this uh, their home park. That's a spring training park. Uh, could it happen? Yeah. In fact, if, if there is a four-homer game this year, I would be willing to guarantee that it happens at Dunedin. Go for it, George Springer. I think you had a two-homer game a couple of days ago, and we're glad to see you back. You're a great player, but I am not going to buy that you had a four-homer game ever. It, this one just says Joey Votto will bang. It looks like they think that he's going to hit at least five home runs this month. He's uh, 
you can factor him having one very uh, very hot month well, within it. Could it happen in May? Maybe I don't know if there's any historic numbers to him in May or not. Uh, but uh, sure, go at it, uh, Joey Votto. You already made the the 300 li- uh, homer list. Let's get to 305. Here's the good one. Number 10, Jacob DeGrom will give up four runs in a game and win. <laughs> That's exactly how he'll get a win in New York. It isn't going to be his masterful pitching performances uh, either end up as no decisions or losses. Uh, so sure, he'll give an a uncharacteristic game. He'll give up four runs and still get the W. I absolutely believe that. Do you know that he's given up two earned runs this entire season and has lost both those games? It's... Uh, I love how this is extended over multiple years where you just you just have to expect it at this point. It's no longer some weird fluke. It just is it is what it is. We hope that you get we hope that you win some games this month, Jacob DeGrom. You're amazing. I love you. Good keep 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 it up, buddy. That's it. That's, That's all ten. It. All right. Then coming up next, we'll uh, as we listen to others uh predictions and hot takes we'll provide our own uh for the month of may we'll get into our top 10 of the the hot stove and take a look at uh, uh update on fantasy on Corey's fantasy team coming up next you can take away our phones and you can take away our keys but you cannot take away our dreams that's right because we're like sleeping when we have them what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So as we take a look at uh, our own hot takes, let's start off with uh, with Corey. What's the first? Uh, we each have two that we're going to uh, jump into here for the month of May. What's your first hot take? The Washington Nationals are currently in first place in the NL East. I predict by the end of this month, they are in last place. I don't really know how they're doing this. Uh, I think they will fall from first to last because I think the Mets will get hot and move ahead of them. The Philadelphia Phillies are better. The, oh, geez, I the Marlins are better and the Braves are better. Welcome to the National League's worst division uh, so far this this year. It, it's not the Central. Uh, we talked about the Central being the weakest last year. It is now the AL, the NL East currently. Again, the a twelve and twelve record, a five hundred record, has you at the top of the of the East. Let's take a look at the the run uh, differential. Uh, the Nationals are leading in first with a negative fourteen run differential. The Phillies are next with a negative 16 differential. Then you have the Mets at negative 13 and the Braves at negative 16. The Marlins, who are currently in last, actually have a positive run differential of four. Uh, So this is a a weird division right now. No one is looking that good, and I buy that hot take. The Nationals being, uh, despite their four-game winning streak, their seven and three in their last 10, uh, cellar dwellers will be returning by the end of May. Apparently it wasn't super hot. That's okay. What's yours? I, I, I just very much agree with it. We know what the Nationals are always capable of right now in, in their current state. Uh, so if we're talking uh, records, let's uh, switch to the American League. My hot take here is the Astros will finish with the AL's best record. End of season, you mean? Or this for this month? End of season. End of season. So where are we at here? They're 15 and 13. 
they had so like you're talking run differential, right? Theirs has to be incredible. And they had to deal with all the COVID. Bregman missed two, three games. Altuve missed over a week. Alvarez has missed different chunks of time. There's this I don't doubt their offense ever. I think their offense is awesome. It's their pitching. And it's better. It's better this year. Alvarez better, being yeah. back. Altuve is back. Uh, Bregman, the Correa. It's that offense is so good. It can it can very much drive them the way it drove the Braves last year. The only question I ever have with them, and Granky's good. Javier and Arquiti have looked really good at times for them this year too. McCullers is always kind of a wild card where he can be great or he can be really bad and. It sounds like Framber Valdez is getting closer to being back, maybe like within a month. So can I buy that they have the best record? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say I pick them. <sighs> they're as likely as anyone, I'll say that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hot, but considering where they're at now, but they can certainly do it. If we were doing a consumer confidence level or consumer confidence index of the, the American League, I have the most confidence in them over any other team in the American League right now. The Rays are playing like a 500 team. Uh, they're from it's not just some bullpen issues, but there's been injuries. But the offense is in a massive slump that can change. Uh, but I, there's challenges there. The Yankees, I'm not buying anything with them. With the, the they're hot and cold. Let's talk. The, if we're going to mention that, what about the Red Sox? What what happened to this team? Because they've been a lot better than I thought. And it's a lot of it's the offense, right? The offense looks like it's another one that's right back to where it's always been. J.D. Martinez looks like the MVP, J.D. Martinez, and all that's back. And their pitching has been better than I thought. Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richards getting some contributions from unlikely sources. When your offense is clicking this good, uh, all you need is average pitching. Uh, and that's what the, the Red Sox have. And so that allows these guys to look better than what they are. Uh, it's great to see JT, J.D. Martinez back. It's great to see that offense uh, humming along again. I'm not buying it long-term, and neither is the cat who's now growling. I don't know what's going on there, but absolutely uh, growling for everything taking place. So she also is not buying uh, the Red Sox uh, offense long-term. Again, plus 20, run differential, uh, very good there. Uh, but I, I get a nice start. They will fall to middle of the pack. Makes sense to me. Okay, let's do it. Oh, sorry, do you have someone more? No, dive in. I'm going to do a individual player one here. And it's the player that everybody wants to talk about because he's the most unique player in the world. We talk about him a lot because it's easy. Uh, let's talk Shohei Otani. I think, I'm going to say it, Shohei Otani is going to have 75 combined home runs and stolen bases. So I'm going to say he can get to 40 home runs and steal 35 bases. We are currently at eight home runs and six steals. With the way he's playing, I think 40-35 is possible. That's a uh, uh, big talk coming from a guy that overall is playing very big. Uh, so uh, is that uh, is that possible? Again, he's not going to stay at, at this level, but uh, the, the, the stolen bases has been more of the surprising than the power is. We expected the power. Uh, but he's already at six stolen bases. Like he's so fast. He stole two today. If you've seen him play, he is so fast because his strides are absolutely massive. And I think that's I, that's certainly the hotter part of it. Can he hit 40 home runs? I, I no doubt he can hit 40 home runs. How many 30-30 players do you see this year? That's a good question. Him. I think he could do it easily. I don't know. The thing about 30-30 players is you have to get 
30 opportunities to steal bases, right? If you're hitting that many home runs, Byron Buxton can do it, right? Ronald Acuna can do it. Uh, I'm not going to say Fernando, Fernando Tatis could do it, but I don't, I have serious doubts about his health. And I actually could say the same thing about Buxton, but I would say that there's a good chance for those three. I feel like I'm forgetting someone obvious. Christian Yelich is hurt already. Um, Let's take a look at the, the leaderboard so far, guys who have enough home runs and stolen bases that look kind of intriguing. Trey Turner uh, is at six home runs and seven stolen bases. More importantly, a 309 batting average because, again, you need guys with less swing and miss in the game. Although the next guy I'm going to mention is a little bit different in that way. Uh, Javier Baez has seven home <laughs> runs and six stolen bases. Uh, so he uh, is, when he's getting on base, which when he's not striking out 35% of the time, uh, he's either smacking it out of the out of the park or he is, get, when he is on base, he's stealing bags. Trey Turner has a 1,000% better chance than Javier Baez. <laughs> uh, Trey Turner can do it. I Trey Turner's, you don't doubt the speed, right? 30 steals is, like, that's automatic, I think, if he stays healthy. The home runs are... I always felt he's more like a 15 homer to 20 homer guy. Baez is so weird. We talked about him before. The strikeouts are so high that when he makes contact, yeah, it's it's hard, right? He loud, loud contact. He hits a lot of home runs, but I have so few doubts about him stealing thir- so many. Sorry, so many doubts about him stealing 30 bases because he never walks, so you're not on first, and you just have to make singles, and it's weird. He no. What about uh, Tatis's uh, teammate Manny Machado? He is at four home runs yeah, this, and five stolen bases. The They're stealing speed bases. Is back. The, they're uh, leading the San league. Diego, yeah. They lead the league by a ton. Last I checked, in stolen bases. So Machado's showed that he had that speed a few years ago with Baltimore, but it's never really. I, mean, I shouldn't say it's never, but I thought it was basically gone. Like Mike Trout has all the speed; he could steal that many bases too, but. They don't ask him to steal bases because, like we just mentioned, he's an all-world talent, and it's kind of dangerous sometimes stealing bases, which I thought was what was happening with Machado. But could he? Yeah, if they let him keep running. So the uh, San Diego has, uh, you mentioned leading the, the league within this. When you look at guys who have five stolen bases or more, they have Machado, Profar, they have Trent Grisham, Fernando Tatis Jr. Will Myers is at four, so he's one behind. That's five guys that are at four or five stolen bases through the first month of the year. They are running wild in San Diego. That's that's why they keep winning games. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I don't know if I, from your hot take, to actually answer your question. So could there be a, a 40 and 35 year? It's possible. I think, the, I think the home runs will calm down a little bit, but I do believe uh, you're looking at baseball's most certain 30-30 player if he stays healthy. My last part about the steals is, San Diego has 13 more steals than Kansas City already, which is 35 to 22. That's how far ahead they are. Okay, let's hear your last one. Uh, Chris Bryant is back. Uh, we mentioned before uh-huh. on the hot streak uh, from the, the the contact is there, the power is there. Uh, he is doing everything that you'd want to do because, again, as we from start to finish, I gots to get paid. Well, if you're going to talk about – you said you have a list of players you think could get traded later on. Uh, could, he has got to be on that list, right? He should be on that list because – the Cubs are not looking like a much of a contender right now, but Chris Bryant being back, yeah, I, I think at least he looks much better than he did last year, and I didn't think he was very good last year. He hasn't, again, health is a key thing, right? So he's healthy. Uh, this is the first time he's looked this good since his almost MVP season. To be, He's back uh, producing at levels that he's finally matching his name, right? The, the production is matching the hype. Uh, and that uh, makes for an intriguing list. So let's dive into that because that was uh, we've covered our, our hot takes to this point, so let's fire up the hot stove 
and uh, I'll give you my uh, top 10 list. And it's not necessarily in any order right now, but 10 names to keep in mind. Very early for the hot stove, very early for trade candidates overall. We're not going to see anything going until we get uh, I mean, even uh, mid-June because uh, there's just too much to know from, from teams. Where are teams at to know? Uh, and remember, it's the end of at. August now, right? It's later, isn't it? It's at least... Yeah, that's a great question. Why don't you double-check that one there as I uh, preface our uh, the hot stove with this for the, the trade candidates. I'm fully expecting this to be an active uh, an active trade uh, deadline. It's the end of I, July. No, July 30th. July. Okay. Uh, the An active trade deadline for this reason, I believe from the teams that are, what it takes is the teams that are, that are out of it, that are going to be, uh, they're not contending this year. You need them to have uh, players that are doing well uh, that become good value for them to trade. And so you're talking about teams like Texas. You're talking about teams like the uh, like the Cubs uh, with where things are going. You're talking about teams like the Detroit Tigers. Uh, so let's take a look at these names. Number one, yeah, we have Chris Bryant. Uh, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, so he is a perfect uh you cut a little bit more payroll, and you should be at least get a solid prospect for him. So that's very intriguing right there. Uh, let's take a look at Kyle Gibson. Uh, Kyle Gibson is second in Major League Baseball in quality starts. Uh, starter for the Texas Rangers. Nothing flashy, but in terms of getting a, a solid pitcher who has one more year left on his deal, uh, Kyle Gibson is an intriguing name. Uh, sticking with the uh, Texas Rangers, Ian Kennedy. Back doing his things with it. He's second in uh, in baseball in saves. Uh, so, again, not, nothing that's going to be lights out, but a, a veteran back-end option, you're looking at that. Uh, Boston, what are they? We mentioned them being, uh, uh, if, they're, if they stay closer to the top, could you see them holding on to J.D. Martinez? Absolutely. Could he actually have his name on the list now that he is popping back up? There's a lot of money that's on, his, uh, on the books with him for just a D.H., uh, if he is pitching well, or hitting this well, this might be the best time to sell high and get that contract off the books. I think he has a no-trade clause, so I think he has to agree to wherever Correct. he gets traded to. And half the league is eliminated, right? That's the thing Correct. about J.D. Martinez is half the and the Nelson Cruz thing. It's half the league because his defense is abysmal. It's been a long time since we've seen him, and he's a DH only. And so Nelson Cruz is another name I have here on it. If uh, If the Twins are out of it, uh, as we get closer to the trading deadline, Nelson Cruz becomes a huge name uh, that's that's on this list. And I'll again, for that one, more likely him than Martinez because of contract. That's uh, exactly what I was going to say. Yep, you nailed it. And then uh, for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, there's different names that you could have on the list. Yeah, you can talk pitchers. You can talk about some things. I don't think it's likely uh, unless there's a blockbuster move that is made. The name that I could see is Nick Castellanos. Uh, there's uh, still another two years of larger money, uh, not not uh, a, a insurmountable amount of money. There, I think it's seventeen million per year. Two years of it. Uh, you might think that this is the best that you've seen from him, from someone who has more DH skills defensively uh, than uh, anything else. So uh, that's another name that could make sense to find himself on the, the trade list for the first time. We've never seen his name floated uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. It wouldn't surprise me at all for that name to come up. Uh, let's talk the Colorado Rockies. John Gray has uh, started out well uh, for them again. Someone who's always needed a change of scenery. 
I believe he has one more year left, or or he's an expiring contract. I can't remember which it is. But now that he's pitching better, sell high. Uh, if, if you're not going to keep him, this is a, a perfect name to, to use and get something for the rebuild in Colorado. Yeah, he's up after this year, and that's a good one, actually. Yeah, he, he's His value has never been higher, and I'm looking to see, and he's, he's getting a lot of ground balls. That's what's really helping boost his numbers so far this year. So they should do that. Let's talk another guy who's uh, – his name was worth more in previous years than in, in recently. Matthew Boyd with the Detroit Tigers. Take a look at his numbers here. Someone who's been uh, not good for about a year and a half after being one of the biggest names where uh, could you actually get uh, a, a bigger prospect for him and they held on to him uh, and probably not the best decision long term. Uh, but he's looked good to start the year. Six starts? I have so few I have so few faith in Matthew. I have rolled the Matthew Boyd train enough times i've seen matthew Boyd. yeah he's he's looked good this year i don't trust matthew boyd all that much more than i trust robbie ray because he has stretches of this right it's the same thing that robbie ray has stretches of dominance stretches of way too many walks and maybe he's figured it out i don't know but i i don't trust matthew boyd who also is uh uh, we'll see what happens here. Left knee injury in the last two days. So that yeah, he hot left streak, the game early. After uh, like still inning. waiting to hear. They don't think he'll miss a significant amount of time, but uh, that's going to slow things down a little bit. Uh, if we're talking pitchers, obviously the name that's going to be floated the entire time, at least if they if if uh, if the prediction is right and the Nationals make their way back to the uh, cellar dwellers in the uh, NL East, then Max Scherzer's name uh, becomes even more in, in the rumor mill, and that's the one that people have already highlighted. You're going to hear his name a lot this year as we get closer and closer to a trading season. Uh, again, he would have to sign off on on some of these things, more money on the on the contract, but uh, that's the biggest name that we're going to hear all summer long as the hot stove heats up. I, yeah, that's. I think we mentioned before. I think it, New York would love to get a guy like Max Scherzer in there. That's the one that makes a ton of sense. But I wonder what what if he would be willing to do some of that. I. I'm sure he has a no-trade cause, too, in that contract, and I don't know if he would want to play for a team like New York, to tell you the truth. The one I am... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it throw it out there. Uh, if the injuries keep happening, wouldn't you love to see Scherzer in the Dodgers? Put him with, with Bauer and Kirsten and what they do. You want to talk about big, uh, big game pitcher. They need, actually, they... They there was I was listening to some baseball on the way over here and they were talking about trading Kybert Ruiz at some point. They're they're going to be patient. I don't. They're not going to make a jump move here soon in the next week or two and trade for a pitcher. But they they could certainly trade for a pitcher. They also have you know, constantly coming back at some point. But yeah, Scherzer and just really make those, it unfair those for those poor Padres to put uh, uh, Kershaw, Bauer, and Scherzer. Those are your three that you're rolling out there for a a playoff series. Because again, he's an expiring contract. You have Walker Bueller. You didn't even mention Bueller. So, yeah, so we have Urias, Bueller there, too. Man, Uri- that that's team your is five. unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, rounding up, the, there's two more names on the list. Uh, Trevor Story, obviously, with the expiring contract. Uh, does he stay? Does he go? The next general manager will make that decision there. Uh, but as far as uh, shortstops that could actually be available, that's a big one. I That's a name to keep in mind for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, as things continue to go on with uh, their playoff contention. Uh, potential boost there. Uh, Dark Horse uh, Willie Adamas uh, is another one with with, uh, Wander Franco and uh, uh, Vidal Burian going on with Tampa Bay. Uh, When does does Tampa Bay decide to sell high on Willie Adamas? 
is it selling high? Isn't he hitting like the Mendoza line right about now? His uh, right now it wouldn't be selling yeah, high. Right now, not uh, as far as the, you the need to get a little average. hotter here. The defense is good. Yep. The the power is interesting, but does his revamp swing actually work or not? Right now, it's not. Let's see what happens there. Uh, David Peralta with the Diamondbacks, depending upon one. if they actually, uh, when they make their slide back, uh, he becomes an interesting trade candidate uh, as well. Uh, so I think we had ten plus two. A couple of honorable mentions I threw in there. Uh, your list is good, man. I it's it's early in the year. I have not looked as far at, at, at trades as you have, but teams that are good, like you said, bad teams all have good players. Every bad team still has a good player or two, and so those are teams you want to look. Although Pittsburgh is on, we didn't mention any Pittsburgh guys. Uh, the uh, they made all their pitchers, moves off season, right? They, Maybe something going on there. Relief pitchers. They, they traded Josh Bell in the off season, right? And they got nothing for him, as they do. No Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, <laughs> other than we're not trying to sell off any more players. I don't know if there's any that you want to keep, but that, that becomes a whole different story. But uh, if you are uh, a fan of a team, you you're, you have playoff aspirations, uh, you're hoping to have a, a good year, or if your team is out to a hot start, if you are a Milwaukee Brewers fan and you're seeing the way things are going, you have the front-line pitching you're looking for, uh, and you're looking where can the team shore up, here's a list for you that allowed you to start doing some dreaming on what uh, can be out there uh, as we move into later in the year and look and seeing players that are there. But I am predicting a more active trading uh, season because you have the right type of players, if they keep up their, traje- their trajectory, obviously, but the right type of players on the right teams that will allow for more movement. So I am expecting that this off se- or this uh, mid- mid-year. I don't know if he would be traded within the division, but Chris Bryant would be a great fit. They need Their corner infielders are... Shaw's been okay. He was good the other night. He should really be at first. And with Keston here not being particularly good, and Dan Vogelbach is fine. He has his flaws, but Chris Bryant would be great for them. I just can't see the Brewers and Cubs yeah, coming together on problem. it. It makes a lot of sense, but I can't see it happening. Well, let's talk about things that are happening as we switch gears to your uh, uh, fantasy team. And uh, for those that have been uh, listening for a while, they know what uh, what we're talking about. But why don't you give just a brief recap of what this fantasy team is and then dive into this week's stats. So this is the TGFBI. There are 435 analysts, I guess, and I am one of them. I am in League 16 with 14 other fantasy and baseball analysts, and so you try to accumulate stats. Who are some of the uh, uh, either bigger names or bigger groups, uh, organizations that they are with? Who are you uh, competing against? Paul Sporer, if you go on Fangraphs every day, has a new article on Rotographs. Uh, Brad Kuhlman works for Baseball HQ. Their triple play. David Mendelson is on the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball podcast. Uh, some of these guys work for like Fan Tracks, different websites like that. So people who are big data yes, guys, yes, people who know what they're talking about. And it's been a challenge, but I'm competitive. I'm I'm hanging my own right now. I I told you before we started. It's right now. There's a couple of tiers, and there's two teams at the top at, at 110 and 107 points. And then it drops off. So the max you would have is 150, right? If you were first place in everything, you'd have 150 points. And that drops off. And between 94 and a half and 78 is eight teams. And that's the group that I've been, I've gotten to the top of that group. I've fallen to the bottom of that group. Right now I'm in eighth place at 84 and a half points. For example, if I had four more points right now, I would be in third place. So that's how, or sorry, fourth place. That's how close it is. I'm checking to see here. So about 20 minutes ago, the, Moves for this week went through. 
I bid $38 on Shane McClanahan. That did not get it done as he went for much more than that in the 90s. I did get a two-start Cole Irvin. He's been pretty good for the A's lately. They have two starts, one against, I think, Toronto and one against Tampa Bay this week. Uh, I needed some speed. My, I believe I'm second worst in stolen bases right now. Victor Robles has one. Manny Margot. Manny Margot is not stealing. Gavin Lux isn't stealing. And Nick Senzel, I think, has one. I think my team is being led by Christian Vasquez, who's been great for a catcher, incredibly good for a catcher. But I needed some speed. So Harrison Bader came off the IL this week for the Cardinals. I got him for $21. I was if it wasn't going to be him, it was likely going to be Kevin Kiermeyer and Harrison Bader's been great. I needed a middle infielder. I said Gavin Lux has actually been pretty bad lately. I'm not dropping Gavin Lux yet, but I needed a I need someone different. Josh Harrison's been great. He's been playing bet, bet in second for the Nationals. I added a cheap Josh Harrison for nine dollars. Luis Torrens, so you play two catchers. Christian Vasquez, very good. Uh, I originally I started with Danny Jansen, who had been horrendous for Toronto. I dropped him for Luis Torrens, who hasn't been very good. I added Gary Sanchez. Better version in Mike Zanino for $5, which is surprising because I thought in this week when Omar Narvaez and Travis Darno and all these other catchers got hurt, he would be a much more wanted commodity, and I just wasn't going to pay up for it, but that's fine. And then... Just so you know, um, uh, Mike Zunino is at a 129 WRC+. plus. So yes, the batting average is terrible, but the power uh, is definitely there. And then I finally gave up. So I... I had Aldis Chapman, right? He's been great. We could talk about Aldis Chapman. I've hit Heater. He's been incredible. And I did add Josh Dalmont, and I was right. He's had three saves since then. So you can you always – I try to be a week ahead of the saves. Like, take a chance a week ahead. And Amir Garrett, I've been holding and holding, and I don't know how many Reds games you've watched, but their bullpen has been a disaster. It is miserable. So I tried to be a week ahead again. Garrett Whitlock in Boston, and Barnes has looked really good for them, but Garrett Whitlock has been this – I don't think he has given up an earned run yet this season. I added him for $1, and I'm hoping maybe he doesn't get a save, but ERA and whip right now, Ryu's on the IL, Savarino's on the IL, Joe Ross got a start skipped this week, so I didn't actually even get a start out of him, and Davey Garcia got sent to the minors. So I need another option, and I like Garrett Whitlock's like peripheral numbers. Yeah, he had 12, over 12 uh, strikeouts per nine, only 1.35 uh, uh, walks per nine. That's what you want to see with the balance there. Uh, his XFIP is 1.63. Uh, so there's nothing that is uh, uh, overly lucky about what he's doing. It's, again, it's only six games, so obviously short sample size we're talking here, only 13 innings overall, but they've been very good innings and a chance to catch a guy. Again, when it comes to relievers, the one-year hot streak is uh, so much of, of a thing. Get in on the, the ground floor before things happen. I like the idea. And we, what we what I've learned is, so you get $1,000 to spend for the course of the year on these free agents. I saw like $300 dropped on Julian Merriweather, and he got hurt like the next week. I do I will not do that. I'm never going to bid more than about $40, even if it's someone who's rock solid a closer, because there are so there is so much turnover at saves. So I'm just going to try to be the week ahead usually and see if I can find one. And if Matt Barnes hits the IL tomorrow, which, you know, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen for him, Garrett Whitlock next week would have went for 200 And uh, guys who have high-end stuff who just need the opportunity, right? That's what you're looking for. Who's got the high-end stuff uh, and for opportunity? Josh Stamont is, is a classic example. That was a great one to get Thank you. at that price point, too. Uh, you think of some of these guys that could go for a bunch of money. I guess Stamont would have this week. Uh, so again, getting ahead of the curve is the way to to, uh, to look at that. There's probably a way I could figure that out for other leagues and figure out how much Stalmont went for, but I'm not that gifted yet. Um, serious. Does anybody actually want to talk about on my team? Mike Trout's really good. 
And Carlos Santana's been really good lately. He He's up to six home runs. He's got his average up in the 260s. And they play seven games this week. On a week when some teams only play five. Do you have any pitch, uh, starting pitchers who are looking at two starts this week? Cole Irvin, who I added. And Joe Ross, who his are against Atlanta and at New York. I'm not sure I'm going to trust Joe Ross in a two-start week like that. I, I really need Hyunjin Ryu to be good from that butt injury, that glute injury. I need him back because Joe Musgrove is – he started so well, right? And the last couple have been more – like mid fours, like I think he gave up five earned runs today in five innings, which is not bad, but I need him to be a little better. And Urias looks great, right? So it actually, you know, who's been really good for my pitching is Nate Evaldi. Nate Evaldi, uh, whenever yeah. he's healthy, right? Good. Yep. That's always That's been the, the thing key. with him. So I just need him to stay healthy. And I'm doing much better. I should check and see officially, but I think I'm doing much better in the pitching than the hitting. Let's see officially where I stand here. So I have. 84 points of those 84 points. I have 54 and a half pitching points and 30 hitting points. My problem has been stolen bases. Stolen bases. I'm getting, I'm getting two points. I'm in 14th out of 15 and like RBIs 156. Corey Seager batting second and it's been surprising. I didn't expect that. And it's not that he's been bad, but it doesn't help your RBIs when you bet second. And so I, if I had six more home runs, I'd have five points more. If I had eight more RBIs, I would have eight points more. So the, any, it's so San Diego early. Padres uh, available there, the way they're I running uh, around with uh, the things, that would be something should, to look for. I should check that for next week. But it's still early. I'm very much in contention. I'm happy with my spot. So we'll continue to keep you uh, updated on that uh, list as the the heater uh, goes up against uh, a lot of baseball's best uh, analytics and uh, stat uh, uh, gurus around. Another the guy league. works at the Athletic. I just figured that out. I clicked on his name. He works at the Athletic. So, like Eno Saris is in one of these leagues, and those type of famous people that you read about on the Athletic. And I'm just Corey. Uh, and uh, well, like we said, we already uh, we know better than uh, MLB Network for uh, the three uh, three batter rule. Uh, we're going up against him with the, the fantasy leagues. Uh, we called the Kansas City Royals. We called Corbin Burns. And we'll see if uh, you called the uh, Minnesota Twins and I called the uh, Atlanta Braves. Let's see what keeps happening. But uh, if you want some good baseball content, uh, keep listening to the Heater Podcast. That's we'll right. keep you covered each week. 